0: Between 2009 and 2019, there has been a slow but steady decline of Americans who call themselves evangelicals. Over the past few years, there has been a growing distrust of evangelicals. Societal and political events have cast doubt from the outside, while internal unrest and trauma have fueled a sort of civil war among evangelicals, leading to a mass exodus of individuals who had grown up in the evangelical church.
1: All these events have caused both insiders and outsiders to ask, is the evangelical movement at an end? Perhaps a better question to ask is, should the evangelical movement come to an end? What part of the Christian witness is strengthened by the title evangelical? What is lost? Are we losing more than we gain by calling ourselves evangelicals? Is it time to give up the title evangelical? Or is it still worth the effort? All that and more on this edition of Questions from the Pew.
0: Welcome to Questions from the Pew, the intersection of faith and culture. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameda.
1: I'm Lucas Manning, and here we are. Yeah, season, season
0: two, season two, season wow. two, episode one.
1: Started from the bottom. Now we're now here. now
0: we're in season two.
1: <laughs> I don't know what the bottom of <laughs> yeah. I guess season
0: zero. I guess yeah, which we actually great. have. <laughs> How have you been?
1: Yeah, it's been good. Just. Just hanging out here amidst the coronavirus. Yeah. Yep. Life changes for you, though. Big life changes for you. True. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You got married. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. (laughs) I did. Also, just a big life event for you. You did your first marriage. That's true. Which was yours. (laughs) Yeah. In the midst of a pandemic. Uh, That's true. Love finds a way. Yeah. You, You can't hold love down. Why is that a Disney song? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, right. well, today we are talking about evangelicalism. Mm. Uh, and mm. more specifically, evangelicalism. Is it still worth the effort? Mm.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, how many people... I think a good question to start off with is how many people are still calling themselves evangelical, uh, you know, in this day and age? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been kind of, well, it's been a term that's had multiple different kind of definitions. Mm -hmm. Especially with the whole political situation that happened with the last presidential election. I mean, we'll get into that. Yeah yeah
0: a couple of stats here uh the pew research center uh did a uh survey and between 2009 and 2019 the there was a steady decline of evangelicals it wasn't it wasn't a lot but there was a steady decline of um of people who um called themselves uh, born again or slash uh, evangelical so it went from Mm -hmm. 28 percent of the people uh, surveyed to 25 percent and i mean overall it's it's not a huge uh, i guess um huge drop um but just looking at the graph really overall that's a it's a trend downward um and i imagine right. given where we are now um and given the political religious climate um that number has um has continued to drop
1: yeah, yeah, and it's not even just numbers too. Um, Barna, the uh, kind of survey, uh, Christian survey group, um, did just a few studies on how U.S. Uh, adults see evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Not even just like the numbers of who is an evangelical, and kind of just the conclusion that they put out is that the perceptions of evangelicals are more of a barrier than a bridge mm-hmm. uh, between between people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's I mean it's kind of a an interesting conundrum on multiple levels yeah and it's become
0: a social uh, social media movement too so like the hashtag ex-evangelical became a thing in the past probably like five years or so mm. um, it's just this huge number of people who grew up in the evangelical church um, and many of them born and raised in it their parents got saved in college and, and that's all they've known and mm. um, just through a conglomeration of different things, uh, they left the evangelical church movement um, really on a a negative note. A lot of them, they were citing um, just traumatic experiences, um, Mm. uh, mental, emotional, even spiritual, obviously. Uh, But yeah, just a lot of traumatic stuff. It wasn't so much um, in that movement a theologically... Uh, founded movement Mm. so it's not like they were leaving because of doctrinal differences it was because of um yeah of their experience uh within their particular church i guess right yeah
1: yeah and it seems like there's kind of like even subcultures of like evangelicalism Mm -hmm. like uh i know like a lot of uh it's like a lot of people have been talking about like the purity movement. Mm. Like I know that I had at like my church growing up. Um, is, you know, I think every February we had a thing called true love weights. <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah. And so, which, you know, yeah, here's the thing. I'm not abstinence. sounds great. It's great. It's a great <laughs> ideal, but just like some of the, uh, kind of some of the undertones or like the kind of like the hidden, uh, yeah, I guess undertones. Yeah, like they, it's not that people didn't have good intentions, but like it gives way to certain attitudes um, that that might be unhelpful. So mm-hmm. that's just like one example, for instance. But yeah, there's there's other things that are being cited as
0: well. Yeah, no, definitely, and all of this has, uh, yeah, a combination of internal stuff and then just the political climate. It's caused uh, churches and church leaders to. Yeah, to to kind of ask that question and almost reconsider the name or whether or not they even want to carry the title, um, right? Uh, you know, as a church or as as Christians, I guess.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a interesting interesting issue issue. Uh, I think one way to look at it, uh, look at it that might be helpful um, is something called the hermeneutical circle. By hermeneutical, we just mean like hermeneutical, hermeneutical cycle. That just means how we interpret um, the Bible. I mean, it just means broadly, essentially how you interpret anything. But we're talking about the Bible here because uh, it's obviously the holy book of Christians. Um, so this is actually coming from uh, Dr. Daniel Carroll, who is a professor at Wheaton, um, and he talks about basically it's it's how we process uh, ideological and religious doubt. Um, So essentially at the top of the circle is uh, the station of, um, you know, just just living in your reality, um, in your church community, in your theological construction, Um, and you know, it's it's great, no instability, so that's wonderful. Uh, But then, like, uh, something might happen, um, for instance, just something that causes uh, ideological doubt, maybe... Maybe your eyes are open to systemic racism and maybe you're in a um, culturally, like, or just a white suburban church uh, and these things haven't surfaced at all. Um, or, um, yeah, it could be anything. Maybe there's, it, it could even happen during like times of war and maybe your church is not talking about the war and you're like, why are we not talking about this? This is uh you know, this is a major thing maybe in our country. Um, and so, so essentially what that does is it, it moves you away from that stable theological place up at the top of the circle, uh, top of the circle. And it essentially brings you down uh, yeah, to the next uh, step, which is basically um, just like theological instability Mm. uh, and doubt. Um, And the interesting thing is that I think with, with evangelicalism, you have a lot of people who are up in the kind of the stable uh, theological framework and it's comfortable there. Um, and then you have others who are coming kind of around the circle, um, seeing some kind of social ills, right. um, and, and having some doubts, um, about the, the religious communities that they were, that they were raised in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have people at different points. Um, one might be defending kind of the status quo because it's where they live. Another might be critical of it, uh, because they can't live there anymore. Um, so yeah, just, just an interesting thing. Um, As you move around the circle, the bottom of the circle is essentially new theological convictions Mm. that happen because of the ideological doubt um, and maybe the social ills that you see. Um, And then kind of the final section of the circle is finding a new hermeneutical method to understand the Bible. Um, Because really, uh, as much as we hate to admit it, a lot of times our theological framework is how we read the Bible. Um, So essentially you find a new way uh, to interpret the Bible. You recover mm-hmm. um, uh, scripture passages um, that have been misinterpreted essentially by the status quo um, and reapply them uh, so that they essentially answer the questions that you're asking and speak to the issues that you're seeing. Um, so I think everyone's everyone's in this circle in some capacity, mm-hmm. whether they're frozen or whether they're moving, we're kind of all on it. Um and i think that's where a lot of a lot of the internal conflict within evangelicalism right. i think that's where where a lot of that comes from yeah
0: and, and i think it's important to say uh, um moving from that uh, that concept of the hermeneutical cycle it's important to say that evangelicalism as a movement hasn't been stagnant in any way it's gone through its ebbs and flows of transformation and and redefinition yeah. Um, Now, Mm -hmm. in the public mind, though, there has been a redefining of the title of the term evangelical um, and evangelicalism over the the past probably two decades or so. Um, And it's particularly been toward uh, toward the negative. So I think of uh, a title like fundamental. So, for example, Mm -hmm. if you if I called myself a fundamental the image that comes to mind is particular is is uh, is Westboro Baptist Church members picketing in front mm. of soldiers' funerals because mm. they call themselves fundamentals. Whereas if you trace the the movement of fundamentalism back far enough to its origin, it was a reaction to the um the liberalism, the theological liberalism that was making its way into the church and so Mm. people who held to the core historical biblical doctrines of historic Christianity called themselves fundamentals because they believed or fundamentalists rather because they believed in and agreed on the fundamentals but fast forward to today very very few people would want to be called a fundamental you know and I think that's the kind of shift that the name evangelical has um uh has experienced that's it's that kind of uh, shift where uh before it was i mean idealistically it provided a moral compass it was well thought out as a movement mm-hmm. and it's uh, and the leaders that it produced uh mm-hmm. but now they're they're almost caricatures of um of naive um religious stupid people essentially is, is is the caricature you know right so it doesn't uh it doesn't uh yeah it's just gone through a massive shift what were you gonna say sorry
1: no no yeah yeah i was yeah agreeing and i mean the interesting thing is that the i mean i don't think this circle ever stops even if you're quote unquote frozen in Mm -hmm. it you know when when theology or how we do theology or how we understand the bible when it changes. And it speaks to a certain context. It makes great sense, um, you know, to that context. But then if you take that and extract it and try to put it somewhere else, sometimes it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that works like just for time as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. If 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 the theology doesn't change, and obviously we're not talking about things like the hypostatic union and you know, the, the nature, the deity and of by Christ, that I mean, the deity of Christ, the deity and humanity of yeah. Christ, the Trinity, obviously those, there's some, uh, you know, non-negotiable commitments that if you don't make, you're just not a Christian, the, the fundamentals, <laughs> you know. if you will, <laughs> yeah, the fundamentals, <laughs> exactly, uh, but some of the, I think, I think it's safe to say that evangelicalism is less broad than Christianity obviously Mm -hmm. because there's you know there's christians who wouldn't consider themselves evangelicals um so i think it's those kind of contextual um attributes that that kind of we're talking about and those are the ones that maybe can change and that's okay Mm -hmm. and that's needed sometimes
0: yeah I think that's a good segue into um yeah, just the idea of of what evangelicalism is in the public mind today, and you kind of talked about yeah kind of those yeah the, again the fundamentals um evangelicalism no longer brings to mind theological or doctrinal distinctions, right so um as for as broad of a movement as the evangelical movement is. I mean, within evangelicalism, you'll find a whole host of different denominations, right? So, um, mm-hmm. But among evangelical churches and those who would call themselves evangelicals, there are a couple of doctrinal distinctions of the movement, four isms, if you will. Um, and David Bebbington... Um, He's a, I think he's a historian, but he kind of traced the movement and kind of did a lot of work. And his big contribution really is what's now called the Bebington Quadrilateral. So these four um, uh, distinct doctrinal positions of, um, that evangelicals hold in common. So one is biblicism. It's a high regard for and obedience to the Bible as the ultimate uh, authority. And then there's conversionism. So that's the belief that lives need to be transformed through a born-again experience, uh, through conversion, and uh, that involves a lifelong process of following Jesus. And then the third is crucicentrism. That's the stress on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as making possible the redemption of humanity and then the last one uh, is activism and that's one that you probably that most people probably wouldn't um mm. assume um as a right. value of evangelicals uh, but activism it's the expression and, and demonstration of the gospel in missionary and social reform efforts um mm. and so though I, I think though yeah so those are the the four historical um doctrinal distinctions that uh, at least david bebington um, saw within the evangelical movement um, as a mm-hmm. whole. Um, there, I mean, there are some who, who would say, you know, there, it, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. But I think it's a pretty good starting point, honestly. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, again, it's uh, it's something that evangelicals would, for the most part, I think, agree on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: the The, the sad thing is that it's um, it's kind of a double-edged sword though, in terms of um, that broad definition, because obviously mm-hmm. you're going to differ in how activism f- in particular um, right. is played out. You know, what what right. social reforms are you going to focus on? What How are you, you going to act out those social reforms? Um, right. And so you might agree that a change needs to happen but one evangelical church might not take the same approach or even disagree with the approach of another evangelical church.
1: Yeah, and the, I mean, with the way that, you know, social reform or even, I guess, like, political action is enacted in this country it gets kind of complex with the two party system. Right. Uh we talked a little bit about that yeah. last season uh, and we'll talk about it later on this <laughs> season uh in our politics in the church, yeah, series, I guess. Yeah. Um Yeah, so I think it just, you know, there's some who will argue that abortion is the, you know, it's the main social ill mm-hmm. and then others will argue, you know, um, maybe it's it's racial issues or it's you know women's rights or you know other other points of inequality Mm um i mean the interesting thing is that i think christians and evangelicals you know at their best are we don't necessarily have to choose between the two um you know we can say yeah i think you know abortion is a terrible reality in this country uh but also so is you know just the ruthless and just uh, pervasive violence against like black males, for instance, mm-hmm. I mean we just uh this all this stuff with Ahma- Arbery. Arbery. yep, yeah, like that, just another you know just another story, mm-hmm. and uh yeah, I mean, getting a little bit off track, but I think that's where that's where evangelicalism or evangelicals or just christians uh you know that's that's where we can step in and say yeah mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of ills yeah. that need to be righted yeah. um, on, bo- on both sides of kind of the political ideology a lot ideological spectrum right.
0: and it's uh, the and it's a case of whose voice is the loudest right mm-hmm. at least particularly in America where mm-hmm. um, where church where religion and politics as much as people want to separate the two they're still very much linked um, yeah. and so th- this whole idea of, you know, the loudest evangelical voices have kind of steered the, the, uh, reputation of evangelicalism as a whole. And that's mm. tied, um, the evangelical movement to another ism, if you will, a fifth ism. Mm. And I'd say that's conservatism, yeah. like the political, mm. um, right. uh, p- political ideology in terms of, uh, yeah. Right republican party right wing whatever what have you it's yeah evangelicalism is now linked to that uh, particularly in america obviously right
1: yeah it does seem that way and if it kind of seems like if you're you know a lot of people have come out of that Mm -hmm. or not come out of it but have grown up in that kind of conservative evangelicalism and then now it seems like if you if you do start to be sensitive to the more liberal issues or progressive issues uh yeah it seems i'm I'm not sure if people are being ushered that way from the conservatives within evangelicalism or if it's more of kind of the cool thing to do is mm. to go you know it's kind of yeah i guess kind of go more to that progressive side um Right, you know, just well. I mean, the, there's deconstructing without mm-hmm. reconstructing. Sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just gonna say I didn't mean to interrupt you, but th- there's within a, a certain age bracket, it's cool to push up against traditional boundaries, right? right? But right. I should say that it for for the experiences of those in the #X ex, hashtag evangelical movement, where there was yeah. legitimate trauma there because of their religious upbringing, mm-hmm. I'm not Absolutely. I'm not denying that. Absolutely. I'm not denying yeah. the pain there. There, I'm I'm sure mm-hmm. there was pain caused.
1: Um, yeah, in those and there's and, definitely circles. Th- things to be pushed up again uh, or up against that make, you know, they need to be pushed up against. Right. Right. <laughs> so I guess yeah.
0: But I think what w- what happens there was the baby was thrown out with the bathwater, and the pendulum swung all the way to the other side.
1: It seems like that's the, uh, just human nature, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see our eyes get opened and we swing way to the uh, you know, right. the opposite direction. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, that's just, that's just discernment is, you know, discerning what really is worth challenging mm-hmm. um, and, you know, what things are, you know, all right, you know, right. and are neutral. Right. Um, which is, yeah, it's tough. I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, why we're questions from the view right. here. <laughs>
0: Not answers from the pew, as we like to say.
1: <laughs> yes. All
0: that to say. Um, so so those four, um, as David Bevington would would call them, you know, the the four distinctions of evangelicalism, those um, theological hallmarks, um, they they've been replaced, right? So the character of an evangelical now in the public eye, um, especially within the past five to ten years, th- that caricature is of a white megachurch attending prosperity gospel believing registered Republican. Mm. If you say evangelical, okay. that's the image that pops to mind. Yeah. Um. And so those um, those th- four isms that we talked about just a little bit ago—they've been replaced. Um, and so now you've, you've got a, um, a hallmark of uh, a political nature. So like, again, when people think evangelical, they think right-leaning or Republican, Mm -hmm. right? And the loudest voices, again, um, the ones that get the most airtime are those who are, um, very vocal republicans uh and evangelicals and kind of they tie the two together and so what you get is a conflation of those two identities
1: Mm. right yeah one thing i found interesting too and um i believe it was pew pew research Mm -hmm. um what they did on evangelicals uh, was the uh, a lot of self-identifying evangelicals marked uh, that evangelicals were like misunderstood mm. um, and so i wonder if that's because the you know the loudest or the you know most public slice of evangelicalism is kind of that conservative right. uh wing right and so then that's how the whole you know the whole group or the whole yeah all the de- denominations and churches that are within that yeah. you know they they kind of get thrown in there, mm-hmm. um, which yeah, not necessarily fair, uh, but that's kind of the trouble with yeah. such a broad term, like evangelical, right. um, is that, you know, those things are going to happen. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean the pure research center in, in the same study that I kind of cited earlier, the, in terms of the evangelicals that they surveyed 50 to 50 mm-hmm. or sorry, between 2007 and 2014, um, the percentage of Republican or Republican-leaning evangelicals were 50% to 56% respectively. So, Mm. I mean, it grew, definitely, you know, those 6% within the past, you know, the seven years of that study. But at that point, it was... There's still another, you know, roughly 50% to be accounted for. Um, But obviously... That's not what you see um, in mm. in media or the uh, in the public mind. That's not what comes to mind. The fact that only half right. of people who would call themselves evangelicals would also call themselves Republicans.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I think. I mean, I think part of it is because a lot of times, at least that I've seen, when stats are quoted like on news outlets about evangelicals, like for instance, voting like Republican. Is a lot of times they'll isolate white evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be like 80% of white evangelicals mm-hmm. voted for, right. you know, whoever the Republican person is. Um, yes. Yeah, so I think, I mean, yeah, that's the interesting thing is I think, I think different ethnic groups share the same theological convictions, but have very different ideas as to how uh, that works itself right. out in the public sphere. Right. So it's,
0: just... yeah and that I mean honestly that's another component that I would say has made its way into um, the characteristics of an evangelical um, in, in the public mind um, in, t- mm-hmm. in today it's, it's that racial aspect right so mm-hmm. the the racial demographics of those who call themselves evangelicals I mean in um, that same study between 2007 and 2014 that percentage actually dropped from eighty-one percent mm. in two thousand seven to mm. two thousand fourteen. It was at seventy-six percent white, mm. and so there's yeah. a there's a drop there. And I think it's because there um, uh, um movement within minority churches and what have you. It's a it's a whole thing. But even though there's a uh, there's a drop there, and it's still over fifty percent, that's fine. But uh, it's not uh, it's not stayed constant at that right. 80 81 percent um, and I'd be right. uh, interested to see given the fact that America is becoming more and more diverse um, right and then uh, yeah just the, the the growth of the church historically I wonder how much that is still going to uh, to drop given also the fact of how evangelicalism has been rocked internally
1: right right yeah it's it's like not only a i guess it's just it's just an issue of demographics as well Mm -hmm. with with just the changing face of america um yeah i think you see it in evangelicalism too
0: yeah and then there's always the religious um aspect of the 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 whole caricature of an evangelical as well right so again that mega church televangelist um prosperity gospel health and wealth gospel all of that stuff and um i i wouldn't consider this a a theological distinction um as uh quadrilateral uh was uh, primarily because i don't think um, the majority of christians would call that you know, that prosperity gospel televangelist mega church stuff. I don't think they would call it historic biblical Christianity. I don't think the majority right, right. of them um, would. Because the majority of churches yeah. are still mid size local churches.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, definitely growing up, my church didn't. That prosperity gospel churches were like, <laughs> you know, they were the devil's tool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now it's time for a five by five, the part of the show where our enneagram type five—that's me—gives us five facts, aspects, or tidbits that informs or connects with our conversation in a potentially surprising way. Um, so today we're gonna take a look, uh, just five basic facts about uh, this book by Bob Eckblad. It's called *Reading the Bible with the Damned*. Um, so yeah, we'll just we'll just head right in. Um, one, it's so this book is essentially he sets out to prove that biblical readings from the marginalized of society are the most authentic uh, readings for the Bible. Um, And he explores this premise through essentially personal experiences of reading the Bible, particularly with inmates and with undocumented uh, immigrants, uh, mostly along the southern border of the United States. Um, Two, so... Kind of the the biggest enemy that Eckblade talks about is, uh, essentially, the domesticated scriptures. So kind of the spiritual status quo, and that might be where this connects a little bit is, evangelicalism has been, you know, kind of the status quo um, in America for for quite a while. Um, so he essentially he thinks that those traditional readings get picked up by the by the marginalized of society because they don't have you know, usually the ability to go get educated and, and, uh, you know, perform readings on their own. Um, so essentially like it's unhelpful for their situation and it neglects them, but they have no other choice, but to accept it because they have no ability to, you know, to actually do anything on their own. So, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting. Uh, number three, I'll give you an example of kind of what, what this looks like. Uh, so for instance, he, he talks about Egypt, um, and he reads, he reads like the Exodus with his inmates um, specifically Exodus one, where um, Pharaoh is talking to the midwives to have them, you know, kill the Israelite uh, male children, um, and he talks about who are the characters in the story and who has the power in the in the story. Um, obviously Pharaoh and the Egyptians have, you know, the social power, as you will. Um, they're making the decisions, um, and then he asks, you know, but whose side is God on? And so you would say, well, like the least powerful, so like the women uh, and like the babies is really babies. They're probably the least powerful. Uh, and so essentially, with that, he he flips the script. Um, so basically, Egypt is America, um, and the you know kind of the downtrodden of society are the people he's working with. Are the people who are locked in cycles of poverty, um, cycles of. Just the undocumented immigrant cycles of coming in, deportation. Maybe your family's still here. You have to come back. You don't have papers. Um, so yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, number four, he talks about uh, one kind of more controversial uh, kind of controversial aspects of the book, is he sees essentially Christ's work on the cross less as uh, penal substitutionary atonement, which is essentially the theology that most evangelicals would subscribe to um which is that um jesus died as a substitution for the sins of humanity Uh, it's more of a courtroom metaphor Uh, whereas he would say that he sees the work of the cross primarily as solidarity with with humanity so christ came to suffer um as one of us with us and it wasn't to satisfy the wrath of god but it was to satisfy like our humans wrath Mm. um which is yeah i mean it's an interesting take maybe we could talk about this more uh and then number five um just one critique one critique that people have said um it's a it's a great book but definitely a critique is that it seems like while ekblad is great and he has a lot of good things to say he's doing the bio or he's doing theology for the damned um but it's not theology by the damned. Um, a lot of the readings, you know, he's guiding them to conclusions. I mean, he admits this uh, in his book. He does admit kind of the shortcomings of doing what he's doing. Um, I appreciate that he's trying to do something, um, you know, anyway. He's a, he's a white, white uh, seminarian working with, yeah, primarily like Latino inmates. And I mean, I guess there's white inmates too, but uh, at the border, essentially. Mm-hmm. Inmates at the border um yeah so it's yeah it's an interesting book i think it connects to our conversation here just about who essentially who gets to write the rules of interpretation and and belief um yeah and maybe when should we move on from those rules
0: So I think there are a few things to keep in mind as we continue to ask ourselves this question. Is evangelicalism still worth it? Is that title, is that name still worth it? Um, And I think the the, the first thing is that evangelical, the word evangelical, the title is both biblical and non-biblical. So let me explain myself when I say that it's biblical in that it's founded on biblical principles. That's very clear. Right? It's, it's in the name itself, uh, e- e- evangelicalism, the evangelion, the, the good news. That's, that's where we, it got its name. So it's clearly biblical. And it's founded on those biblical principles. But at the same time, it's non-biblical in that the word itself isn't found in Scripture. Right, The only mm-hmm. command that we have uh, is to strive for loving unity, John 17. That's Jesus' prayer before he goes to the cross. Uh, so I think it's important to to hold those two in balance as you weigh out the question and, and, and seek to answer of uh, seek to answer the question of whether or not calling yourself an evangelical is still good or useful. Um, and mm-hmm. also, no one goes around calling them himself or herself an evangelical. <laughs> right. Are, are there are more. I didn't
1: even know what that. So, sorry. No, go ahead yeah i didn't know what that term was until college mm-hmm. you know i knew it like bible believing yeah. you know what i mean that's a we were a bible believing yeah church. i think i was a junior
0: at moody when my dad asked me at lunch time it's like what uh i hear this word through and my dad's been my dad got um committed his life to the lord in college and he's been a yeah. believer since but he asked me like what i hear this word evangelical like are we evangelical what 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 is evangelical <laughs> mean? and i tried to yeah. to like give him a, a concise definition and this was before i knew about the whole bebbington, bebbington quadrilateral for distinctions um yeah of an evangelical but it's like yeah it's like we hold the bible as a high authority uh we believe yeah. in um conversion And that was all I could think of. (laughs) Right. You know, so like people, and this is someone who had grown, who had spent most of his life at that point Mm. in the evangelical church. Right. And he didn't call himself, he he didn't even know what the distinctions of an evangelical were. And I'd be surprised if people who tout the title evangelical and grasp so tightly to it understand what the distinctions of an evangelical are or whether or not Mm. what they have in mind are the caricatures that we talked about Mm, you know what i mean
1: right that they want to be they want to be associated with the caricature yeah yeah
0: so yeah no one calls himself or herself an evangelical. you're gonna encounter more people who call themselves baptists or pentecostal right with you know again those are Uh, theological movements denominational movements within evangelicalism but Mm -hmm. i think evangelicalism as a title is almost too broad for people to use that they don't use it and that's part of yeah sorry go ahead
1: no i was just gonna say i mean even when i learned the term i i didn't understand the difference between evangelical and like just protestant it was actually like i was actually confused yeah cuz i mean even now some lutheran uh like some lutheran churches consider mm-hmm. themselves evangelical even though i think they w- that would be mainline uh, yeah i mean
0: there even yeah, 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 yeah the the whole there's a whole there are a couple branches of uh, of lutheranism that are um yeah definitely more mainline and and some right. would say more evangelical yeah you're right yeah
1: yeah anyway so it's just yeah <laughs> <be>.
0: <laughs> definitely um but i think there's no getting around the fact that there is beauty in evangelicalism.
1: Mm.
0: Um, uh, One is its historicity. I mean, this is an old movement. People think of evangelicalism and they think of, you know, the moral majority uh, and then Mm. onward. Um, But evangelicalism, even before it was as defined as it is now, as it is today, it's been involved in in social reforms william wilberforce Mm. and the abolition of the slave trade in england Mm. right or um obviously the civil rights movement uh evangelicals through there um and and they've also been um they've also been intellectually and um and theologically educated So the Mm. the whole caricature of a bumbling evangelical who doesn't know what he's talking about and and is naive, in large part, that's not been the case.
1: Right. Well, and that's it's interesting, even that you bring up William Wilberforce, Um, because yeah, it does seem that no matter what your group is, you tend to to claim people who were not in your group, but who did great things in history. So like, for instance, evangelical Christians mm-hmm. will claim like right. Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, he's ours. Even though if you look at, you know, I guess like his theological beliefs, he probably doesn't fit into the category. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that it even like that tendency to claim what, you know, claim figures of the past for your movement. It It's, it's not beneath like the liberal movement either. Right. You know what I mean? Like they'll claim at least like, i don't even know where i get this perception but like when i think of social reformers of the past i don't think of like um like evangelicals you know what i mean even though yeah like you said there are there are those figures mm-hmm. um but kind of the perception is that if you're if you're socially progressive and you know pushing for a kind of political social reform like you're not an right. evangelical yeah <laughs> uh which is yeah it's just interesting yeah
0: so there's a history behind evangelicalism. I think that it's beautiful. And I think it's one of the arguments to, to very frankly, to hold on to the title evangelicalism because it ties the Christian, the evangelical of today, to that great history. Mm. And again, I'm not mm. denying the dark pasts of the evangelical movement. Right, right, yeah. Absolutely. Right. It, it's naive to think that we can breeze over the the mm. the valleys that
1: evangelicalism has has gone right. through. Um, yeah, they've definitely built up walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to to reform. So while there are those figures who have helped, there's also plenty of you know plenty of cases where that right. wasn't the case. Right. I think the, the one of the things that I found helpful was uh, uh, a professor at uh, the University of North Carolina, Molly Worthen. Uh, I was reading, uh, and she essentially she thinks that the evangelical title is helpful if you understand it as a conversation. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be differing voices. There's going to be disagreement. Um, but yeah, I think maintaining unity, even within those disagreements, I think, I mean, I think that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, she, so the Bubington quadrilateral has, has evangelical centered around four distinct theological statements. Um, I think Worthen would center the evangelicals more around distinct questions. And what ties them together is the mm-hmm. fact that they're asking and trying to answer those questions. Now, yeah. the, question, the the answers that they came up with or the methods by which they answer those questions are going to be different just because of the broad nature, right? right, um, right. But the fact, I kind of like that approach where, and I know I wouldn't be quick to throw out you know those four theological um distinctions i'm still fine with that but i think it's also also helpful to to look at it like molly worthen is you know as centered around distinct questions that people are trying mm. to answer i think that's really helpful um, yeah. and that's a, a second beauty of evangelicalism really is that it does have broad unity it goes beyond national and denominational borders mm. What we've been talking about in terms of caricature and all that stuff, it's the American Mm -hmm. version of evangelicalism. Yeah, But I think we forget that there are African evangelicals. There Mm -hmm. are Latin American evangelicals. There are Asian evangelicals Mm -hmm. in those continents.
1: (laughs) Right, right. And so we forget that when we... (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, when we concentrate and focus so much on the the ugliness of uh, the the quote unquote ugliness of American evangelicalism.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, I mean, that even speaks to a bigger issue of, you know, what church voices or yeah, I guess, yeah. What church voices are the loudest. Mm -hmm. Um, And even like the issues in America, a lot of times in, you know the issues that the American church is grappling with you know Christians around the world might might look at and say you know that's not an issue for us we're not (laughs) worrying about those things um so yeah I mean as I don't know as Christian education uh you know I guess like diversifies I mean I think it'll be great to just the difference in perspective will be wonderful, and I think revitalizing yeah. for evangelicalism and just Christianity at large.
0: Yeah, I think holding on to the title evangelicalism helps us helps to ground Christians in glo- in the global church. Honestly, mm. um, I, I kind of like what N. T. Wright he did an interview with um, with the Atlantic while he was here promoting mm. his uh, his new book, um, the New Testament in Its World. I think. Um, yes, I have that on yeah, my bookshelf here. That's right. <laughs> uh, but in the interview, he said uh, when he was asked about the, the whole uh, word evangelical and um, people who have uh, who have abandoned it because of all the recent events, the election, and all that other stuff, and he was talking as a, as someone from England looking at American evangelicalism, right? And he said. Um, in England, people are, I wish I could do an N.T. Wright impersonation, man. <laughs> um, and for those right. of you who don't know N.T. Wright, he is a New Testament scholar and theologian. He also served in ministry for a good number of years. So he's got his hand, uh, he's got his feet both in academia and uh, the church. So um, he's mm-hmm. a, He's definitely a, an important voice in Christianity. But he said this, in england people people are a bit embarrassed about the word talking about evangelical but i've taken the view that the word evangelical is far too good a word to let the crazy guys have it all to themselves just like i think the word (laughs) catholic is far too good for the romans to keep it all to themselves (laughs) that's That's hilarious. i'm with you (laughs) that's great yeah
1: i'm in the same yeah i'm in the same place
0: and uh, another beauty of evangelicalism, I think is, is, again, I mentioned this earlier, but it's in the name. It's a focus on the good news. It's a focus on the gospel, right? If, if there's one thing that Christians ought to be about in, in general, uh, historical, biblical Christianity, um, it should be about the declaration of the good news, that yeah. Christ is king and he has come, and established his kingdom and that kingdom is expanding and we can be a part of that like why if it's in our name why would we want to let go of that beautiful fact and then the last beauty of uh that i would point out in evangelicalism is its diversity um and it kind of plays into the broad unity aspect of it right but like right man how boring would would biblical interpretation and theological application be if it was coming from just one demographic? Mm. If, if the Bible is God's word to mankind for all time, then it makes sense that that application of God's word is diverse. And we get that with evangelicalism. We get diverse, um, theological viewpoints. We get diverse ecclesiology and, and church practice right
1: yeah i think like with diverse interpretation sometimes uh people are a little hesitant about Mm. that because they think you know if we just understand what the bible is saying why do we you know that's what we're trying to do we don't need you know different people saying what they think it means but the thing with with diverse readings of the bible and within evangelicalism especially is that you know there's there's uh, or a, a feminist, or um, you know, a, a black interpreter is going to see something in the text that is genuinely there that I might not see as a as a white interpreter. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? And so that's where the thing that's the nice thing about kind of the diversity is that we can enrich each other's faith um, in our in our reading of the Bible, in our uh, method of you know church practice. Um, so yeah I mean just like you say it would be boring if it was just one uh, but even it, it, it helps it helps all of mm-hmm. us um, to, to engage with, with each yeah. other and this diver- you know, and the diversity within the evangelical church
0: yeah because especially for, for Christians if, if we truly believe we've been baptized into one body with many members then the different parts of the body should look different um, obviously there's still going to be foundation that i'm not denying that right so um but yeah i don't yeah we shouldn't be afraid of diversity <laughs> i guess is the way as right, right. the way i'll put it um
1: yeah absolutely yeah well yeah
0: honestly personally i don't um yeah i don't think the term or the title the name evangelicalism um has run its course and hmm. I, don't, I don't think we yeah. should um, be so quick to to give it up. And again, I'm not discounting yeah. the hurt, the pain, the dark moments of evangelicalism. Um, right. I just don't think it's run its course yet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm I'm generally with you. I think I think I hold the the title evangelicalism moderately loosely. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's not something that's necessary yeah. for me to have. And I don't think it's necessary. For instance, if, if someone has experienced church trauma or, you know, uh, something like that, I think it makes perfect sense to me to abandon, you know, abandon the title, find a church community that, that works for you and that you're able to, you know, um, yeah, experience God's people and, inter- you mm-hmm. know, and enter into a relationship with God himself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I hold the term very loosely, but I do think that the broad category can help us as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, like I think if we view it as a conversation to be entered mm-hmm. into with different people, um, but all, all you know, connected, I think it's a great thing. Um, and I think that comes down to do we hold the certain theological convictions yeah. um, and commitments? You know, what is the Bible? Mm-hmm. What is the church? Who is right. Jesus? Um, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, so I think it's, I think it's good, but I also think that, yeah, there's, there's some looseness for me. <laughs> yeah, I think it can be helpful, but I think it can also be hurtful, well, and therefore I don't think it's a necessary, uh, a necessary type. Yeah, I agree. R- Russell
0: Moore, uh, who is with the Southern Baptist, uh, convention, he calls it, he calls the term evangelicalism or evangelical a shorthand for the particular stream Of Christianity that upholds a certain set of beliefs, uh, or Mm -hmm. in Molly Worthen's case, uh, asks a certain set of questions and tries to answer them. Right, and I think it's it's good. It's a shorthand. It's not the Mm -hmm. main identifier, though. Right. Right. As valuable as it is, man, (laughs) let's just even take a step back. I I bet you people will will. Comment and 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 just blow up our feeds if I Stated that I don't think we should hold on tightly to the title Christian But if we think about it The followers of Jesus were not immediately called Christians Mm. They weren't called Christians until the 11th chapter of Acts. The church had already been established at that point Right and even then they didn't call themselves Christians Luke tells us in Acts, in Antioch, that was where they were first. They were first called Christians. They were passive in that. That title was thrown on them. Right? So in terms of evangelical, and and again, Christian is a great title to hold. And it's the one that I will Mm. bear proudly. Why? Because it points to Christ. And it's the same with evangelical. Right? Yeah. True, faithful, evangelical uh, is useful sure. still, but I think it's, yeah, it's it's contextual. I think it's, uh, you got to mm-hmm. approach it. If people choose not to, yeah. to use it because it brings too many negative, negative uh, connotations uh, in, in their context, okay. Mm. Yeah. But w- we're still asking the same questions. We're still holding to the same beliefs. Commitments. You know?
1: Yeah 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 so i'd say if you if you you do
0: use the term evangelical definitely definitely always follow it up with a definition
1: yeah or at least a uh like an acknowledgement of you know kind of the dark Mm -hmm. side and then you can do that with the the term christian too (laughs) right yeah yeah i think yeah I think the usefulness of the term might be a little bit out of our hands. Mm. You know what I mean? So we'll just see what happens. Uh, kind of like what we said in the intro, there is a little bit of a, I guess, quote unquote, a civil war uh, within evangelicalism. Or really just, I, I don't know if it's civil war, but just diverging sure. values, I think. Um, And so, yeah, it might, you know, maybe that turns into divergent, you know, faith yeah. groups with different titles. And I I don't think that's the end of the world. Um, But, yeah, I, I do, like I said earlier, I, I do think evangelicalism can can be helpful yeah. distinction. I think
0: if we t- if we take a step back from the evangelicalism that is known today w- we take a step back into what's known as the neo evangelical movement and it's that that mm-hmm. movement um, birthed so that movement came out of um, fundamentalism so I think mm-hmm. they would still call themselves evangelical uh, evangelicals um, but at that point this was after, you know, the group of uh, theologians, pastors, came out with those core fundamentals in response to the um, uh, theological liberalism liberalism that was sweeping mm. through the church. Um, but th- that group started getting caricatured as people who didn't believe uh, in science, people who didn't think rationally. Mm. And so the movement of neo-evangelicalism, Branched from that as an attempt to say no, we still hold the same core historic doctrines of the church the same fundamentals as these guys But we are different in that we don't fall into your caricature right, we are well thought through we are educated we can converse with you at your level So that's how we got fuller Mm. theological seminary. That's how we got Mm. Christianity today um, the the, the publication so I think what is needed is something like that, where mm. we don't let go of the core doctrines that we believe in and we all agree to, but instead we redefine it and we, we reestablish what we mean when we say we are evangelicals, all the while remembering, though, that titles in the end are secondary to actual beliefs and that titles serve our beliefs, not the other way around.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's put beautifully. I think that's a great, great place to end <laughs> it. If, if I could, there's
0: a great resource that we'll link to in um, in the show notes. It's a book called Still Evangelical. It's a collection of essays, and the uh, I like the, the subtitle because uh, let me just pull it up here. The subtitle is Insiders Reconsider Political, Social, and Theological Meaning. So it's a bunch of Mm -hmm. people who come from the evangelical movement asking that same question. Should we still call ourselves evangelicals? Um, And -hmm. in the introduction, the editor, uh, Mark Labberton, ends his introduction like this. I'm just going to read it straight from from the book. Yeah. Referring to oneself as evangelical is not a congratulatory self-description, as -hmm. though it were a trophy nor a theopolitical brand as though it were a platform. It is rather a commitment and an aspiration to identify with God's great love in Christ and in true humility to cry out for the daunting and urgent hope we believe can transform us and transform our world. It is a call to acknowledge and repent of our complicity in sin and injustice, both personal and systemic, and to work toward the reordering of all power after Jesus' example. It's a vision of living with coherence and integrity so that we truthfully proclaim and faithfully enact God's news of love, justice, and mercy in Jesus Christ. If this is what the word evangelical means, then perhaps the pressing question is not still evangelical, but rather yet evangelical. On that note, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate uh, your joining in the conversation. If you want to continue thinking about what we have been talking about, we will link to uh, some more resources, articles, uh, videos, and books in the show notes for you to, to look through.
1: Uh, yeah, you can also check uh, check out our Patreon page. We have a Patreon <laughs> page now. Um, yeah, you can just find it. It's patreon.com slash questionsfromthepew. Um, we'll also have a link in the show notes that you can click on. Um, so yeah, we'd love, uh, you know, any, any support that you can give us. And obviously if you can't support us financially, you know, that's totally fine. Uh, but feel free. You can help us out by giving us a rating on iTunes uh, or whatever platform you're listening on. Um, and that, that helps others find us. Um, and yeah, just, just a big help to us.
0: Yeah definitely yeah definitely also comment ask questions and and subscribe you can leave us a short voice message or text message even at uh, at our phone number that's 312-725-2995 just let us know that it's a uh it's a question or comment for questions uh from the pew and we'll be we'll be sure to to interact with that uh, but yeah this has been questions from the pew a world outspoken podcast To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. I'm Riker Zalometa.
1: I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time.